Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is a Bigfoot encounter told to me by my grandfather. It happened in the early fall of 1938. He and his friends did a backpacking trip to a small remote lake near Mount St. Helen. They did this annually. One year, they even summited the volcano during their yearly camping trip. This particular year, there were five of them. The hike end took a couple of days back then. There weren't as many dirt roads built as there are now. They chose late summer and early fall when the berries were in season and the fish were usually biting well because they did not want to pack much food. It helped to lighten the load of their heavy backpacks. My grandfather was a little over 20 years old during this backpacking trip. After the two-day hike to the lake, they set up camp and decided the next morning that my grandfather and another guy would try to catch some fish. The other three young men would go collect berries. The next morning, they did just that. 
My grandfather walked to the far side of the lake, and his friend was on the side nearer to camp. The fish were biting, and he had caught a few when all of a sudden he started to feel uneasy as if he were being watched. The hair on the back of his neck seemed to stand on end, and then he got a whiff of a foul, rotting stench. He started to look around, and directly behind him, only twenty to thirty feet away, were three giant human-like creatures, covered in dark brown hair from head to toe, standing at the tree line. My grandfather was a large man, around six feet four, and the smallest of the three creatures was just as tall as him. However, it was much wider at the shoulders and much thicker. According to what he was looking at, the next creature was a foot taller, and then the third was even a foot taller than that one, putting each of them at six feet or better. The next one was over seven feet, and the other one was over eight feet tall. He was overwhelmed with adrenaline from fear and panic. He wanted to run, however. These three giants staring at him were blocking the only direction that he could run. The only way he could get away would be to leap into the lake and swim. He decided his best option was to calm down and keep doing what he was doing. He cast in his line and began to fish again. Shortly after that, he caught another nice trout, and while reeling it in it dawned on him that these creatures may be here for his fish. He unhooked the trout and tossed it to them. The smallest of the three stepped away from the tree line and retrieved the trout and brought it back to the other two. So he continued to toss fish to them. The smaller of the three Bigfoot continued to retrieve the trout. After a while, he landed a really nice fourth trout. He went to toss it back to them, but they were gone. He then grabbed his equipment and ran around the lake in the direction of the other friend. After finding him, he said that they need to get the hell out of there and began to tell him what happened as they headed back to camp. When they got to camp, the other friends were already there picking up camp gear and in a hurry. They stated that they ran across three giant hairy creatures while out berry hunting. It took the group only a day to hike back out downhill. They did not know what they had encountered. They had never heard of anything like that in the 1930s since the term Bigfoot had not been known. After that trip, they never went back to Mount St. Helens. They changed the location of their yearly backpacking trip. My grandfather stated it wasn't until the 1967 Patterson or Gimlin Bigfoot film was shown in theaters across the nation that he finally had a name for the three giant creatures he had a close encounter with. My name is Randy, and I have always had a knack for finding humor in life's most peculiar moments. As an occasional comic, I often find myself seeking adventure to gather inspiration for my jokes. Little did I know that one particular hunting trip would provide me with a chilling tale that no punchline could soften. Gathered with a group of experienced hunters, we embarked on a weekend expedition deep into the remote wilderness of Arizona. Excitement filled the air as we anticipated the thrill of the chase, unaware of the horrors that awaited us. As we ventured further into the dense forest, an eerie atmosphere settled around us. The usual symphony of wildlife sounds was replaced by an unsettling silence. It was as if nature held its breath, waiting for something unknown. Strange occurrences began to unfold before our eyes. Deer carcasses, untouched and abandoned, dotted the landscape. The sight sent shivers down our spines, filling us with a growing sense of unease. Yet, 
We brushed off these signs as mere anomalies determined to press forward. As darkness fell upon the forest, our senses heightened, and our survival instincts kicked into high gear. But it was not a wild animal that stalked us from the shadows. Instead, a creature akin to the legendary Sasquatch emerged, hunting us with terrifying precision. Its imposing presence and inhuman strength struck fear into our hearts. We fought back, desperately trying to evade this mysterious predator, but it seemed to anticipate our every move. It became apparent that our assailant was no ordinary animal, but a cunning and deranged hunter who had been tracking us all along. The shocking twist revealed that this hunter harbored a deep-seated grudge against me. Years ago, in an unfortunate accident, I unknowingly caused the death of his beloved dog. Consumed by vengeance, he saw this hunting trip as an opportunity to exact his twisted revenge. A deadly game of cat and mouse unfolded within the depths of the wilderness. I had to confront not only the monstrous Sasquatch, like creature, but also the human embodiment of rage and obsession. Survival became not only a matter of eluding the unknown predator, but also facing the hunter's relentless pursuit. In a climactic showdown, fueled by adrenaline and a primal instinct for self-preservation, I managed to turn the tables on my pursuers. With a combination of wit, skill, and sheer determination, I eliminated the deranged hunter and finally brought down the terrifying Sasquatch, like creature. As the dust settled and silence reclaimed the forest, I stood alone, battered and bloodied, but victorious. The weight of the ordeal bore heavily upon my shoulders, a testament to the fragility of life and the darkness that can dwell within the human heart. In the aftermath, I reflected upon the old feud that had ignited this nightmare. The accidental loss of a beloved companion had spiraled into a cataclysmic chain of events, leaving a trail of destruction in its wake. I vowed to carry the weight of that remorse for the rest of my days, a constant reminder of the consequences of our actions. The remote wilderness of Arizona would forever hold the memory of our harrowing encounter, a tale of survival and redemption buried within its depths. And as an occasional comic, I would weave this story into my routines, using humor to find solace in the face of unimaginable terror. Around the 29th of December, 2022, I was traveling from Santa Barbara to a small town in the middle of Nevada, where I was going to stop and see if I could make it back to my house or if I should wait for the rest of the day. I would like to say there was four people in our car, including me. Three-fourths of us saw this lady. She had a pale face, nearly white. She had scraggly black or brown hair going down past her shoulders. She also appeared to be wearing causal clothes that were clean. But weirdest of all, she had no face. And everyone else who saw her are 100% sure she had no face. I think this was about 6, 7 in the morning. The sun wasn't out yet. There was then some weird events in which road signs made no sense and were slowly becoming more and more common, to the point of seeing them every five feet and the fog closing in. This might be related, yet might not. As I don't remember the road, I couldn't tell you if those signs were actually in our reality or not. I'm sorry there isn't much detail. I'm sure I didn't fall asleep because I was very anxious and we were only a couple minutes from our airbnb. beat.
I'm from upstate New York in the capital region. I was born here, but for the last few years I moved to Colorado. Just moved back in January. We've been seeing a lot of crazies since we moved back. I don't know where else to post this, so I'm just going to comment it here and see if anyone knows WTF my husband saw. So we live in an apartment complex in the middle of town. There's woods scattered around, but it's a decently developed area, which is why it's weird. The buildings in the complex all surround this big field. Like area. Picnic tables, trees. It's not a dense amount of trees. It's more like a park. This area is dark as fat night. Anyway, husband took our dog, Lil Sheba, out one night around midnight, maybe later. He's gone forever, but I don't think much of it because sometimes he just gets excited and goes running with her because our dog is cute aif when she runs around. Anyway, he comes back out of breath because, yeah, they were running, but after something. The way he described it was small, larger than a cat, but had cat-like ears, silhouette, and kind of fleshy-looking with weird elbows that stuck out to the sides instead of inward like a hunched dog or cat would. When he initially saw it, the dog saw it first and they chased after it, lost it in the dark, circled around the buildings until they came back to where they first saw it. Dog suddenly got scared and ran in the buff back to our building. He hasn't seen it since, but it's stuck with him. Besides that, he's seen some weird shadows around that same area at night, but he saw those in Colorado too, so I don't know if that's something weird that followed him, because there's Lowell definitely is that follows him. But this cryptid is weird sounding. Basically, the way he describes it makes me think of a rake, but tinier and not standing upright. This happened in northeastern Oklahoma within the Cherokee Reservation around 2008 in the beginning of fall. Myself and eight other of my friends I went to school with had all met up at a friend's house to hang out for the night around a campfire and listen to music, etc. We are all about 15 or 16 years old. My friend had a trail that went maybe over a quarter of a mile into the woods where it led to an open circle in the wooded area. There was a fire pit there with a single tree and another trail that led south from the opening where we would be hanging out for the night. We sat around doing this and that bullshitting into the night. May I remind you, we are not partying. No booze, no smoke, no nothing. Just nine of us out in the woods having a good time. It gets around 230 or 3 and things change. We are all up having a good time and my friend John gets up and heads to the entrance of that south trail at the edge of the cutout to take a piss. I just happened to look up from the fire and turned to look at and up from him in the trail. This gray figure stood in front of him about 20 yards away. I asked him quietly if he saw it and he looks up and comes back to the fire with the rest of us. My eyes are locked on this figure standing in the dark. This thing standing about seven feet tall gray with a static cloudy look to it. Its legs started about where the bottom of one's chest plate would be. Long, lanky arms which lay down almost to where its knees would be with black, hollow eyes, with no mouth or nose. All nine of us are staring at this thing, and no one can move. Some started to cry, some kept their heads down, but I kept my eyes right on it, looking at this thing while it stood there looking right back at us. 
It moved horizontally to the right into the woods off the south trail, slowly moving around. It got to a part in the woods that, during the day, you could see was about a seven-feet rock wall. When it approached that it hovered over this wall with no struggle at all, and then it slowly back off into the depths of the dark woods and faded away. We didn't leave that fire until the sun came up and we got out of there as fast as we could. We didn't talk about that night for years after that. We kept it to ourselves, and I only telling it to people who was close to me. Fifteen-plus years later, I had asked some of the people who was there if they remembered what happened and what we witnessed, and every one of them remember exactly what it looked like and exactly what it did. Nine of us saw something in those woods that night, and it saw us as well. That's my story of a real encounter of something I cannot explain other than seeing it with my own eyes and having eight other people with me who saw the same thing. Who knows what it was? I put this story on other subs, but this one seemed to... to have similar accounts. Thank you. I was solo hiking in familiar territory in a state park in northern Illinois. Went to check my phone for a map because I got turned around and realized it had died, so at this point I'm a little worried, but not really because the sun wasn't setting. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For another three, four hours, decided to take liberty to explore and came across a tight path leading into what I thought was a clearing the clearing consisted of waist-high grass, with trees scattered around. Every branch about 10-15 feet up the trees was broken off and very neatly constructed into an arch about 8 feet high. I could stand under it and reach my arms up and couldn't touch it. Right next to it was a hut. I could stand in that too, no problem. No signs of encampment or old fires, no trash, and no other paths leading out of the clearing outside of the one I came from. The whole vibe was very eerie. Wish I had taken pictures or marked the location, but my phone was dead. Went back the next day to see if I could retrace my steps and couldn't find it. Haven't been able to make my way back there since. It was late at night, and my husband and I fell asleep. Watching TV in the living room. We always slept with the windows open at night for the fresh air, and this being a particularly warm night, we did just that. We never worried about prowlers since the neighbors had dogs and went off like alarms any time something uncommon happened. We'd been there for about three weeks and noticed that the cows in the nearby backyard field were always acting nuts at night. They would quite often, for no apparent reason, start making noises like they were very frightened. I've grown up around farms and know cows don't act this way for no reason. I found it a little unnerving when I found out from neighbors that cougars sometimes frequented the area too. So needless to say, I kind of thought maybe the cougars were making the cows crazy, taunting them. Well, when I woke up around 2.30 a.m., I didn't really know what woke me. 
That's when I heard the most thunderous roar. Scream grunting like holler or whatever people want to call it. It was a deep, throaty, and loud. It was so loud I could have sworn it was in the house. I tried to wake my husband while I stared intently at the window, thinking maybe I would catch a glimpse of it. Not really wanting to, though. It continued screaming in short, angry bursts a couple more times. I say angry because it sounded so mean, like ferocious. I also heard another less intense but painful-sounding shriek in the midst of its deafening roar. I was so terrified it was, if time stood still. You know that adrenaline rush you get when something freaky happens, almost like it can't possibly be true. The thing I've never been able to forget is the scream, and I've yet to be able to explain the way it sounded. I don't believe it could be mimicked by any other man or animal. It was as unique as it was terrifying. All of our cats disappeared. We had three cats. I always saw our neighbor's cats, though, and they were outside cats. It just struck me as odd. We gave up on having pets after two months. Sometimes at night, we would hear load thumps outside our bedroom wall. A few times, my husband actually went for his rifle because he thought someone was outside in the shop. We finally moved to a place in the city far from wooded areas. At least I can go when I want to, and the things don't come to me. My name is Lieutenant Max Phillips, but my team knows me as Phantom. I lead a squad of Navy SEALs trained to handle the most dangerous and volatile situations. We thought we'd seen it all. We were wrong. The call came in the middle of the night. An unknown terrorist group had seized control of a classified genetic laboratory. Their objective? Creating monstrous super-soldiers with the stolen genetic tech. Our mission was to neutralize the threat and regain control of the lab. The insertion was smooth. We hit the perimeter hard and fast, gaining entry into the facility. But the interior was a nightmare. The once sterile lab was a macabre mix of high-tech equipment and monstrous creations. The super soldiers were nothing short of grotesque, a hideous blend of man and beast, each one stronger and more terrifying than the last, but they were seals. We adapted. We fought. As we pressed deeper into the facility, we began to uncover the horrifying truth behind the terrorist group's identity. Stashed documents heavily encrypted files and familiar insignias led us to an unthinkable conclusion. The group was not just any terrorists. They were a rogue unit of our own government, operating in the shadows, using American resources to create these abominations. Realization was a sucker punch, a bitter betrayal that fueled our resolve. We were fighting our own and we had to stop them. The deeper we moved into the facility, the fiercer the resistance. Every corner held a new monstrosity, every hallway a gauntlet, but we pressed on using every bit of our training and resolve to push through. We were fighting not just for ourselves, but for our country, for the world that these monsters threatened. In the heart of the lab, we found their command center, a hub of computers and machinery, and the rogue unit's leader, a face I knew, a face we all knew. He was our former commanding officer, a man we'd once trusted. His transformation into the enemy was the final sharp sting of betrayal. The battle that ensued was a blur of gunfire, roars, and primal rage. 
But we prevailed, taking down the rogue unit and their monstrous creation. The aftermath was a haze. The lab was secured, the rogue unit neutralized. We had won, but the victory was bitter. We had been betrayed by our own, forced to fight against what we'd sworn to protect. As we were extracted, the facility going up in flames behind us, I looked at my team. We were bruised, battered, but unbroken. We had faced our fears, uncovered a horrifying truth, and emerged victorious. The rogue unit's monstrous creations were no more, but the scars of their existence would remain with us forever. But we were seals. We would heal. We would learn. And we would be ready for whatever came next. I am living very rural, in a small village with maybe 10-15 houses, but close to the highway. You can drive there within maybe five minutes and also about 10 minutes away from the town. If you cross the street, it just takes you about 10 minute walk to reach the forest. First Christmas day. In the afternoon, my partner and I decided to go for a little digestive walk as we were really stuffed from all the food. It was about 17 and already dark when we left and we had a big and bright LED flashlight with us. I also took my camera and my flash, as I love taking pictures of nature at night. We decided to walk on a little country road towards the forest and then turn right, following a small graveled cycle track close to the forest border, which connects to our village and the next, maybe 15, 20 minutes walk between villages. In the middle part of the track, you have to walk through a small bit of forest. It's rather dark and the trees are very high and quite dense. When we entered, I saw our flashlight reflecting on something and recognized the car being parked there on the side of the track, close to the trees. This struck me as odd, as cars are not allowed to drive there and the path is very narrow and hidden, so I was a bit cautious. My partner pointed the light inside of the car and it seemed to be empty. I also noticed the windows were frozen, so it must have been parking there for a while. A bit in front of the car, I spotted a tree with an intriguing structure, and I asked my partner to point the flashlight towards it so I could focus better and photograph it with my flash. After I took a few images, my partner told me, Um, there is someone standing behind us in the middle of the road. He's looking at us. Nobody was following us the whole way. I kept looking around and behind us occasionally, because at this time in the evening and close to the border of the forest, there are boars sometimes. And mating season, so they're more aggressive than usual. Indeed, there was a man standing behind us, staying out of the flashlight's reach. He wasn't saying anything, just standing there and facing us. At first, I thought he might be startled, as it may seem a bit weird if someone's just taking photos around your car. It was not even legal to drive on that path with the car. I decided to get up and confront him from a distance, explaining to him that I was just taking photos of that tree. He didn't react and still just stood there. I then went on to ask him if he needed some light, and he replied that this wasn't necessary. It was odd, but I was still calm, sure about there being a normal explanation for his behavior. Nonetheless, my partner and I decided to just get the F out and follow the path leading to the next village. It was maybe five seven mine until we reached it. I remembered the letters on his license plate, not the numbers though, unfortunately, and Google it, and it turned out that he was from a city about six away from our village. 
Mind you, the country I live in is in a very strict lockdown right now. So you are only allowed to travel, even by car, if you have very urgent reasons. After we reached the first lantern of the next village, we looked back and observed the car driving a bit out of the forest, turning around and going back inside. I was able to see he parked there again and turned the lights off. He didn't leave the forest. We then went home on a much longer way than initially intended, as I didn't want to go back there for obvious reasons. A flashlight battery died on the way, and my phone battery was low, so I didn't want to call the police back then, but I called them as soon as I arrived home and gave them all the details. Big regret that I didn't memorize the whole license plate, but it was just so surprising that I seriously didn't think about it. Also, it only occurred to me as really strange when I thought about the frozen windows and that he could impossibly have walked behind us, plus him having no light and not responding. He did seem to be sneaking up on us when I sat down to take the photo. I think I was very lucky to have my partner, the camera, and the bright light with me. I don't want to imagine what could have happened if I was alone. Some creepy guy sneaking around in the forest. Let's not meet. Get it? When I told my housemate, she theorized that he may have been spying on the houses very close to the forest border, as you can easily look into their backyards without being seen. You have to walk a bit up the hill and further, about five minutes. I think it's likely. I had the thought of photographing the car when I entered the forest part of the path, but somehow I felt unwell about it and decided to not do it, despite it being an interesting scene. In hindsight, I believe this saved me as he must have hidden behind the trees close to the car and forest entrance. If he was really planning a burglary, or worse, dumping a body, I think it's not unlikely he may have attacked me if he realized I had a potential photo of his car with a recognizable license plate. I've been a National Guard sniper for most of my adult life. A single mission gone wrong had driven me to hang up my rifle and retire. But when an unknown predator resurfaced in the Middle East, a weapon of terror used by extremists for high-profile assassinations, I was pulled back into the shadows. I was hesitant, still haunted by the face of a fallen comrade from that ill-fated mission. But I knew I couldn't turn my back on the world teetering on the brink of chaos. So I gathered my old team, a group of men as scarred by the past as I was. Navigating the political landscape was like crossing a minefield. Allies could be enemies, and in his allies. Trust was a luxury we couldn't afford. We had one mission, to eliminate the threat, and we couldn't afford to fail. The Middle East was as hostile and unforgiving as I remembered. Sandstorms roasting heat and the constant threat of an enemy strike. But we pressed on, using every bit of our training and experience to track down the Predator. As we closed in, we were forced to confront our past. Memories of our last mission surfaced, the one that had left us broken. The pain was real, but we used it, let it fuel our determination to not repeat the same mistakes. The climax came in the ruins of an ancient city, a fitting battleground for our final confrontation. The Predator was a sniper just like us, a ghost with a rifle. The duel was tense, a game of patience and precision. We were both shadows, invisible and lethal. But I had something he didn't. I had team, brothers who had my back, 
While I kept the enemy sniper engaged, my team flanked him, turning the tables. In the end, it was a single shot that ended it. A bullet that traveled over a kilometer, guided by years of experience and the collective breath of my team. The predator was no more. We returned home, not as heroes, but as soldiers who had done their duty. The world was safe, at least for now. As for me, I found a sort of peace. I realized that I couldn't run. Away from my past, but I could learn from it, use it to make a difference. And that's exactly what I intended to do.